There we are after a one-week reprieve, and that was a good reprieve with the music changed up for episode 94 and Elvis Merzlikens. We're back to the old uh, techno bop for Ingold Radio, the podcast. Darren Millard along with the co-founders of Ingold Magazine, Kevin Woodley and David Hutchison. And we are going to get into our feature interview brought to you by Sensorina and Colin Delia in just a little bit and a visit with Ken Matwiv uh, for... The Hockey Shop, the Hockey Shop Source for Sports in Surrey, dealing with the two-man and chesties. But gentlemen, uh, good to see you guys and uh, good to talk to you about the world of goaltending in which things are starting to look like they're leaning towards a return to the National Hockey League as players, Woody, are starting to inch back to their host cities. Yeah, it's funny because I've talked to a few of the coaches uh, that work with some of them privately, and there really is a mixed bag here. I was a little surprised. We talked to Elvis Merzlikens a couple of weeks ago for last week's episode, and he seemed to really be settled into Switzerland. Next thing I know on Instagram, he's headed back to Columbus, where the Blue Jackets have positive tests and are basically shutting down their rink for a little bit. Um, so I've, you know, I've heard different things from different guys. We saw Braden Holpe make some headlines coming back to Vancouver here. Uh, texted him and he was not too thrilled that his tortoises not being able to cross the border had made uh, so many headlines because he was hoping to slip in quietly to Vancouver. But we're sort of starting to see more guys headed back. And yet in other cities, I talked to Dustin Schwartz the other day and and he's skating right now with a couple of guys skating with Carter Hart uh, in, in Edmonton or just outside of Edmonton. Carter Hart and Tristan Jari both skating with him. And, you know, honestly, with everything that's going on, as long as you can get ice and they have access to private, um, you know, and, and stay safe, which they are and follow the rules, which they are, you know, why would you risk getting into a situation like Merz Lickens did, where you go from a place where you're able to practice quite easily to, you know, potentially not being able to get on the ice. And I think the reality is there's just such volatility in this situation, no matter where you go, that there's always going to be a risk, but yeah, so it's uh tempered enthusiasm, I guess, right. Excited that guys are thinking about January and the possibility of getting back and you know, at the same time, um, you know, we, we haven't got a date and, you know, with some of the negotiation stuff, I'm not sure we're getting in one anytime soon. The players that are going to play in the Canadian division, uh, they have to get ahead of the curve a little bit because of the mandatory 14 day quarantine. So that's probably one reason why we're seeing a few players come back. But uh, on the subject of Canada and uh, Woody and Hutch, uh, this is an interesting development as uh, Hockey Canada has decided to step back after some positive tests, uh, both with the uh, uh, the support staff and the coaching staff and the, the players, that they're going to deal with uh, a pause in their program. And uh, Hutch, this has a filter down effect because there's a double IHF window where you have to have your roster in. And because the Western Hockey League and the Canadian Hockey League, uh, all those loops aren't playing right now, you, you don't have a lot of body to work with to select your team, and that involves the, the goaltenders that are in camp. Doesn't give them a lot of time, but you got to think uh, the IIHF is going to be flexible in, in all things as we try and find a way through all of this. So I hope they're going to help them work their way through that. They've had a little camp time, I guess. On the one hand, it might be uh, a blessing that Canada had to come or chose to come together so much earlier, so they've now had an opportunity to see some of these guys, at least, and Woody can fill us in a little bit more on that. Um, so that they've had an opportunity to see some and uh, maybe make some decisions. But yeah, challenges. And I, I just, uh, I don't know, maybe it's the goalie parent in me, but I, I think about these kids now quarantining in the hotel for 14 days and some of them will get released after sitting in a hotel to quarantine, hoping that uh, that their world junior dream will come true. It's got to be 
got to be hard on on everybody there and and uh and these are young men right they're not uh they're not nhl veterans trying to trying to work through what was probably a much in many ways easier bubble to live through than than what these young men are going to have to go through in a hotel in red deer over the next little while yeah i know it's um it's interesting i mean their goalie coach pretty much had to go home he's he's in quarantine as well jason labarbera um because of some of the staff exposure that they'd had he was you know, ex- had an exposure there. And so my understanding was that he'd actually gone home. Kind of tough to 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 judge and evaluate these guys in such limited action. I guess you do have some practice time, but you know, a guy like like Devin Levy, the the NCAA kid that was invited up that left his NCAA school to come up and be a part of this early, he wasn't even with the main group yet and not a part of any of their scrimmages. And so how do you make a decision on a guy like that? So uh it's not going to be easy it was already going to be a tough situation for them because nobody had played games amongst this group. You you can't have a Joel Hofer like last year, a guy who just tears it up in the WHL and absolutely makes a statement that he needs to be on the team. Um, haven't had any of those opportunities to have viewings like that. So it's, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to see which way they go. I, I got an idea which way they lean. Um, you know, I think Levy will be on this team. I think Dylan Garon, the New York Rangers draft pick, who I think Hutch, your son, Matthews, had a chance to skate with uh, during the pause. I think he'll be there. Uh, and I think, you know, it, my hunch is that third spot's going to come down to Goche, Taylor Goche, and 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 Brochu. And it'll be interesting to see which way they go there, um, you know, for, for a team that, you know, one guy's older and got a lot more experience, um, but plays you know, is perfectly capable of carrying a team to a gold medal, but plays with some inconsistencies and some up and downs in his game. I mean, everybody's got up and downs in their game, but his, from a style perspective, swings a little more than others. And this is a team that I'm not sure they're going to need superstar goaltending, but they need steady. And so is that a guy who, you know, becomes less of an option because the highs and lows tend to be, you know, so much bigger. It'll be really interesting. Not an easy decision, like I said, and I'm kind of curious to see which way they go. Well, the evolution of Hockey Canada and deciding to shut down is going to make it uh, a lot more difficult to pick a team based on reps and practices and scrimmages and inter-squad games, uh, exhibition games, which were to start this weekend. And we're now to American Thanksgiving, and you're at that time period where you expect to have uh, a lot more of a book on things. But we also have uh, American Thanksgiving that's providing us an opportunity to to pick up some gear, to pick up some some product. And uh, that also goes to the Hockey Shop, the Hockey Shop Source for Sports in Surrey. And the evolution of In Goal Magazine, I must tell you, has been remarkable because now the gear segments with Cam and Woody are available uh, with video and not just in the podcast. And to be able to see you and Cam, Woody, with that wall of goaltending in the background leaves me drooling. Well, let's be honest. The only good looking part of the videos with me and Cam is the wall of gear that sits behind us. So thankfully, it sort of uh, takes the eyes away from us two idiots in the front talking about it. So that's kind of the lone blessing. Uh, I got to say, a lot of that gear's on sale right now, uh, especially with the Black Friday uh, and some of the you know past year's models, some really great savings that have already started at the Hockey Shop Source for Sports in Surrey and online at thehockeyshop.com. There'll be more. Uh, as we get into Black Friday, but a lot of them are already available. We talked about some of the some of the key ones. Two for three hundred dollar on pro stock sticks from Bauer. Uh, these are these are sticks that were made for pro goalies. Uh, obviously, the one that that jumped out to us there was Freddie Anderson. 
There was Henrik Lundqvist with that squared off paddle we talked about last week and that that sort of custom modern grip, as Sean Murray would call it. Um, so some really good deals there, getting two for 300 bucks. And then pretty much all the CCM Premier line right now, the entire thing, the Premier Tier 2 Series, uh, pads, gloves, blocker, uh, chest protectors, pants, the entire thing is 40% off. Uh, leg pads of past models, 40 to 60% off. Same with gloves and blockers and masks are 40 to 60% off as well. Uh, some great deals on Bauer and Warrior chest protectors as well. So um, if you're looking for the latest and greatest, the Hockey Shop Source of Sport is the place to go. But right now, if you're looking for deals and you're willing to maybe take last year's model, uh, there are some incredible opportunities to save. So make sure you check them out at thehockeyshop.com. Pro Return Sticks, what a deal on that. And for those that aren't familiar, that squared off grip that Henrik Lundqvist uses with the paddle, and you call for availability to see if there's uh, there's any remaining. What What is that design supposed to do with his blocker? Well, for Ingold Premium members, they'll have seen, we actually have a video and a story up on Ingold Premium where Henrik actually takes us into the stick room uh, when he was in town with, with the Rangers uh, to visit the Canucks. I think it was last was last year, the year before. It took me forever to get that video online, by the way. Um, and just kind of kind of walked us through why and how he holds it and showed us with his bare hand how he sort of holds the two fingers down and it allows him to sort of keep in his mind that blocker square We've seen as the protection on the inside of blockers has grown over the years, a lot of goalies have a tendency to sort of turn it, and and especially when they go into blocking mode, it's almost with the sidewall of the blocker. Henrik really keeps that blocker active, and he sort of almost moves it up and down, sort of almost like there's an imaginary post in front of him for people that know that sort of box control mentality, and he's sort of moving it up and down, and he keeps it really square throughout. There's not a lot of turning with Henrik Lundqvist and his blocker, and so then Sean Murray, who teaches and, and likes to use the same thing at a school here, uh, performance goalie schools in Vancouver, um, he's been doing this as well for a while. The same idea, the grip. It's really Henrik Stick is really quite tapered on the other side. You got the square on one side and a really tapered grip on the other side, and it just it allows you to sort of have that forearm run along the shaft of the stick and sort of match those lines, uh, and and it just seems to create a really good active hand. Um, posture for for your wrist and for your blocker and keeping it square brandon maxwell um one of who's playing overseas right now uh played olympic at the olympics with uh, the americans last year um he was trying it he's been a great supporter of ingol premium and a great reader of ingol premium and he sent me a message uh last week saying that he had tried he had his trainer saw off the stick create the square grip and also create a trigger on the other side of it for 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 the finger to go into and he just loved it felt felt the same types of things in terms of you know the way it really freed up your blocker to move and stay square and stay square on pucks and not turn off of things so yeah long-winded explanation by me but if you want a better 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 definition better detail make sure you check out the article at ingolmag.com and ingol premium uh, Lundquist himself breaks it down with video and we've got a lot of detailed explanation with video and drill demonstrations uh, featuring Sean Murray as well. So bear with me here as I ask a very layman question and Hutch and Woody, I want you both to think about this in regards to the Henrik Lundquist stick and where it's sawed off. Uh, it's a 25 inch paddle. If If you wanted to try that on your own just to experiment before you order the stick, would you need a a higher paddle length and then to cut it off or you know where I'm going with this? 
Yeah, and this is, it's kind of a tough quote. Like, honestly, it would depend on how angled the shoulder of your stock stick is, right? So if you've got a sort of shallow, like if it comes up gradually and you cut it off at the the bottom of where that starts, so basically the the largest point, the widest point of the paddle at the top corner, you're going to potentially be moving your grip down a fair bit. But on a stick that has a sort of a much already has a fairly maybe not squared off, but it 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 kind of steeps the wrong word. It's Steeper. almost the opposite of steep. No, yeah, just yeah. kind of like flatter, it, it, yeah. yeah, flatter top. You're not going to be cutting all that much off. Okay. And I think a lot of us when we hold a stick, like I don't know about you, Darren, but like a lot of people, and this is what you need to think of when you hold a stick. Do you sort of put that sort of that meat of your in between your thumb and your forefinger that into your palm? Are you putting it right in the crook where your paddle intersects with your shaft? Or are you kind of putting it over that shoulder of the paddle? In which case, you're already sort of cupping down on it a little bit. And the difference, I think, is I think what I'm trying to say is I don't think the difference is as big as a lot of people think or worry it might be because a lot of us already sort of hold the paddle down around the shoulder versus holding it right up on the shaft where. At, on top of where the shoulder meets. If it's a tough visual, but does that make sense? Yeah, no, it absolutely does. Uh, Hutch, you want to jump in on that? Yeah, we we could do a whole show on sticks, couldn't we? And what you can do with them. And personal bugbear for me that just sort of comes up as as we're talking is um, how many how many stick saves have you ever made while standing on your feet? But no, wait, guys our age probably shouldn't answer that. But most goaltenders, um, any stick save you make, you're already on your knees. And and I think there's a trend towards smaller paddle lengths because you, you should probably be sizing your stick for when you're down in the butterfly, not when you're standing up. You know, you're not looking to cover that low ice while you're on your feet. And so many people will size a very large stick thinking, oh my gosh, I can't have my, my stick off the ice when I'm standing. Then they go down in the butterfly and it has to be at some extreme angle in order to keep the stick on the ice. Or you open up a hole with the arm as you try and bring it in a little tighter. Or you're deflecting it right into your yeah into the regions. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe this is like uh, those little putters a lot of guys went to on the tour, so they've got a little yeah. bit more control over them or something. But uh, so if so if you're deflecting it into your net, you should make that your warm up stick instead. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, Woody, Woody's got uh, an up stick and a down stick, so when he gets a little bit more tired and knows he's going to be down a bit more, he goes to get the down stick. Oh, that's awesome, yeah. uh, Woody. You just uh, you were playing around. Uh, as we watch this, as we record it, we can see each other and uh, it looks like you've got a little bit more to add. No, no, I was just playing around with sort of, I grabbed a paddle off the wall, one of the sign sticks we have in the collection here for future ah. giveaways and yeah. uh, just gra- grabbed a price model, you know, and saw what it was like. And and yeah, you know, I do think that, I think you you do sort of go down the, onto that paddle a little bit with your hand just naturally. I think most goalies do. I don't think very yeah, many of us are gripping it right on the, you know, the thin part of the shaft. Good. I've experimented with the trigger finger, uh, that part where you're not pinching your finger if you do paddle down, yeah. that kind of thing, just a little bit more control. But uh, I was looking at those Lundquist sticks and wondering, because it, it's the 25 inch and I would use a 26 and a half, how much... Uh, would it would it make a difference? I don't know. Your eyebrows are raised, but I'm old. I just don't know uh, if K would approve of 26 and a half, Darren. Can you get that through? Well, K doesn't come out to my league. <laughs> K, I love you, but uh, but I'm using every. Well, I look like a K jeller that's overeaten. 
that's uh, <laughs> that's had three buffets. That's what I look like out there. Uh, but uh, but that's a, yeah, that's a fascinating uh, description between the two of you about how sticks are trending and what you would do with uh, with that Henrik Lundqvist twig, which all gets us towards uh, the hockey shop, a hockey shop source for sports in Surrey. That stick sale on sale right now, and uh, so many different things uh, available. Uh, with Cam Matwiv and company. And it also gets us towards our, our gear segment, which finishes up the run, the residency, so to speak, with uh, with Cam and Woody and their run of two men in chesties. And in particular, this one is fascinating. In particular. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. We're down here in Goldie Utopia, surrounded by the latest and greatest in goaltending gear. All the top brands, all the top models, all the best pricing, including some discounts. Black Friday is coming up, and they've been rolling those out. Make sure you not only check out all their social media, check them out at the website, thehockeyshop.com, but subscribe to their email newsletter as well, Cam, because there'll be specials coming out that way that'll give you a... You don't need to tell me. I'm already subscribed. By all your email addresses, not all. Yeah, he's got <laughs> he's he's got a few burner accounts. We'll get into those a little later. Uh, but make sure you're you're checking them out. Uh, honestly, on a daily basis from now through Black Friday, because there will be new specials posted, ongoing. Uh, lots of great deals on past models. Um, but today we're going to focus on something new. We're going to continue actually wrap up our chest protector series uh, with a, a look at the Vaughn Velocity V9. Pro Carbon model that they stock here at the, the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. And I guess the first question we're going to have is, why do I have no arms? No, folks. Um, the theory was this might be the new NHL sizing limits. Uh, just joking, Kay. Um, that you know we would just have to go out there like this. And in my case, there's not much to it. Cam, there's got to be a reason you gave me a chest unit and you have arms. Explain it to us. So one of my favorite pieces out of this Vaughn chest and something brand new from Vaughn in particular is Velcro adjustable arms. Something that we have not had previously in Vaughn chests. Um, we've seen it in other ones. We have. We yes. saw. We've seen it recently. We talked about the the Brian's optic. Um, this is new though for Vaughn. First ever time. Yes. Yes. Especially in why it is so groundbreaking is uh, a lot of times on Vaughn chest macro adjusted. We would have to literally soap pin the arms with our wizard Cecil upstairs in our sharpening department. Uh, would have to stitch them in to be a little bit shorter to dial in someone that maybe needed a medium body with or a large body with medium arms in particular. Now this is something that we can uh, adjust on the fly. Um, okay, before we get into it, I got a little call timeout because you're talking about Cecil and the Wizards. As we talk about Wizards, I, is this November? I gotta ask, or is like, did you forget to shave like the Harry Potter wizard for Halloween? Well, Harry Potter wizard, I'll I'll leave it to a late great singer artist who is no longer with us. That's what I was paying homage to. Oh, so this was a Halloween costume. Well, for whatever Halloween was this year. And is you got a November account, or at least can do something positive for that. And you've seen it up on uh, up on our THS goal. Yes, we have uh, have a picture of me in November, and I believe uh, even uh, I think we linked it uh, to uh, a donation site with November as well. Okay, we'll make sure we get you. The I'm points. piggybacking off of someone this year. I don't have my own November page. I am piggybacking off someone else's. As we do with the gear. We, we got to remember we're doing the podcast and a simulcast with the video. So 
everyone's like, what is Woodley talking about? I'm talking about the really bad handlebar mustache that Cam Matliff has on right now for our podcast listeners. Okay, I'm going to let you continue now telling me why this is such a great step for Vaughn to have the removable arms in this V9 um, pro carbon velocity chest protector. So straight up adjustability, once again, um, very easy, uh, easily connected arm, uh, lots of Velcro travel with it. Um, and it just basically goes on like a sleeve. So if this is the entire reason for those that can't see, I'm just wearing the arms independently right now. And Kevin's just wearing the body of the unit in particular. Um, a good bread and butter for Vaughn always has been is um, ease of movement in the arms in particular. Um, I can easily move around. Obviously, I don't have them attached to the chest, but I have a great degree of flexibility right off the bat in particular. Um, something we've done previously in Vaughn units, we've done our own THS spec. Um, so the hockey shop spec. Exactly. This is the first time in a while, and kudos to Vaughn, that we felt that the chest protector, the arms, actually feel um, beefed up in a stock unit in particular. So you didn't have to order a special spec beefed up unit for the hockey shop. You felt they'd, they'd come far enough in terms of protection for the arm that you don't need that. Yes, but we still believe that our colors are better, so we did better. So this is custom, custom colors. Very stylish. I should have worn my red hat this week. I forgot it. That's too bad, but that's okay. So moving around the unit itself, quite a few other things have changed even from the last uh, uh, Velocity unit, the VE8 in particular. So not only were we talking about the arms, the floaters have been updated, much more substantial in terms of the, the coverage and feel out of it in particular. Um, without sacrificing, because let's be honest, like when we talk about what a chest protector is, that different brands are known for different coverage, mobility, and some are a little stiffer out of the box, you just need to give them a little time. Vaughn's always been about mobility. Correct. And as we talked about with the protection, it was a unit that I think a lot of people, you just expected to feel maybe a few more pucks on the arms before. It sounds like they've taken steps to solve that, but not at the expense of the mobility you're talking about with the arms. Exactly, exactly. So again, still very easily you know, mobile, but they've kind of focused on being able to dial in a couple of the other pieces of the unit as well. Um, the shoulder floaters in particular have gone through quite a big change for Vaughn. They still have their classic pad that's underneath that puffs up the shoulders in particular. It's a buffer removable pad. But the way that they've actually designed the unit this year is that that entire shoulder can be pushed upwards or brought in to make a more of a tapered fit. So if you're looking for more of a raised presence inside the net, you can reset the shoulder floater and I'll have it pop up and puff up. So like their classic units like V5, V6 in particular. Uh, or if you want to get a little bit more of that rounded shape to go along with, you know, even the classic V8 unit in particular, um, you can alter that down a little bit more to have it uh, sit a little bit more tapered on your body. What are the, some of the other features? What are the, some of the feedback that you're getting on this unit? Again, anything that sort of separates it from, from Vaughn units of the past and our expectations for them? Uh, so far, e again, ease of adjustment, which we have already covered kind of extensively. That mobility level is already fantastic out of the box. Um, they've gotten rid of the plastic clips along the side and gone with the Velcro adjustment in particular. Again, with the goal of having that good, nice tight fit wrap, but not having to worry about, you know, blasting that uh, plastic buckle particularly if you get that air in shots. All right. Anything we're missing on the Vaughn V9 Pro Carbon Chest Protector Cam? Good, lightweight unit, hand-built in Canada. You know the qualities there. It's Vaughn stable for quite a long time. If you're looking for mobility, but a little bit of a snugger fit, I'm 
potentially a tapered fit, or if you're looking to even beef up, especially your shoulder patterns, look no further than this guy right here, the Vaughn V9 Pro Carbon. Thanks, Cam. Make sure you check them out at the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com. And Cam, where can they get you if they've got questions about fit? My kid is growing, he's in between sizes. How much adjustability is in the arms? Am I looking at a medium? Am I looking at a large? Am I looking like Kevin Woodley and I want to go extra large because he needs to mix in a salad and because he wants to cheat as much as possible? If they want to get a hold of you and ask those types of really important questions, where can they get you? You can find the 1-800 number down here, or you can give me a call at 604-589-8299. One eight hundred five six seven 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 nine zero. Operators are standing by. Operator named Cam. He just he doesn't know the number, but uh, but that is the number. One eight hundred five six seven 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 nine zero. I I call it maybe the odd time. I don't remember people's numbers anymore, gentlemen. Like the old days, like you, you guys can probably both remember your childhood numbers uh, from from when you were growing up. Yep, I was seven two eight one eight five two. And I don't remember anybody's numbers anymore, but I know the 1-800-567-7790 from, from the hockey shop, which is both good and bad, but mostly good because I'm, I'm checking it out uh, all the time. Uh, in particular, that was a fascinating episode with the little dings, if uh, everybody caught on to the little dings that uh, we all have these crutches, these, uh, these little go-to phrases, and we've discovered Cam's Woody. We have, we have, what was the total hutch on the, on the dings in, the, in particular, people that 16. were listening to it? Go yeah, watch the listening video. to it on Just the pod. Go, yeah, go watch go a video. Go watch the video. Yeah, the other thing you'll notice in the video too is that I, as as we described, Cam is wearing the chest and and I am wearing the arms, or maybe vice versa. He was wearing the arms and I was wearing the chest because, as he said, the new Vaughn uh, V9 chest protector has removable arms, which is a which is a big thing for them. And also, as you heard him say for the first time, he didn't have to order a special hockey shop edition that was all beefed up because. Awesome. You know, we know Vaughn has been known for their mobility when it comes to chest protectors, but not always necessarily known for their protection. To me, it was always crazy. Vaughn goalies loved it. They swear by it because of the mobility, but they accepted bruises. And I was just like, I am way too soft to accept that as a part of my life at Beer League. I should not look like that at the end of it, but they do. You don't have to with this Vaughn V9. The other good news, now that the arms are removable, if we ever get a test unit from them, Actually, maybe this is bad news. It'll be like that time we tested the V8 line and they only sent us one pad. Do you want the glove arm touch or do you want the blocker arm? I, I don't even know where to go I want that. the I want the glove arm. There's, yeah? yeah. You think the, if you could pick. Yeah, and you could, the glove, you could probably protect yourself a little bit with the blocker, just like, you know, sort of turn a little bit. Yeah, and for folks that don't know, we had to do a review once with only one pad because that's all that was available. So With Woody on the cover. With Woody on the cover in the VH, and you would think he's wearing two pads, which might tell you something about his VH technique. Why are why are all these pictures of VH in this review? Well, it's kind of hard to do much else when you've only got one pad to work with. <laughs> That's very creative. We hey, are I never creative thought of people. it before. Which which arm do you make more saves with? I that's interesting and I'm, I'm trying to off the top of my head think about it and i would gotta be blocked now that i'm now I've, that i've gone through it i'm like do you make more with with the blocker arm because you don't have that ability to catch the puck i think so and just the way that that it covers space because it's sort of bent as you're lifting up the blocker and and the other hand is just sort of reaching out and waving as the puck goes by so it doesn't get hit 
I know I will. For me, the answer would be whichever one actually has the arm piece attached to it. <laughs> I'd be I'd be turning sideways. Yes. Turning sideways, yeah. Well, it was uh, it was interesting how how easy it is to attach those arms uh, to the to the chesty. Yeah, pretty and seamless, really good. Pretty, yeah, really good. Ad- yeah, and really good adjustability there too. So full credit to Vaughn recognizing an area where others had had sort of added that component in past years. The ability to because that adjustability is important, especially for kids, and especially you know we talked we had the warrior chest protector on a couple weeks ago and. You know, the, you really do need to fit that one for the arms um, with the mechanical arms. If you go to the, the Pro Plus and, you know, not everybody has matching sort of arm length and torso size. And so you need this sort of flexibility in that. And you heard Cam talk about with past Vaughn models, you know, they would have to actually have Cecil do some stitching to, to shorten them up and things like that. And yeah, you've got full adjustability in this. I got to say, you know, make fun of the, the one pad thing, but it was a really comfortable unit to be sitting in there that day. And the mobility, which they've always been known for, has definitely not been compromised for the added protection. Um, I could have done pretty much anything in that chest protector right off the wall, sitting down, uh, put on the mask, drink a cup of coffee, do whatever. Most of the time, I was just throwing things at Cam and, and calling him names, but I could have done anything in that it's thing. Best it was part. Nice. Yeah, it was very, very and comfortable. If you, if, you had the, if you had the option, do you think most goaltenders would make one arm shorter than the other, uh, a catching arm? as opposed to the blocking arm if you if you just had the had the option okay you lost me i gotta ask well why. yeah i take my i take my blocker arm shorter because i can dial in my stick length. yeah right so if, oh. if you've got that full adjustability why not uh why not take advantage of it right it's it's again for the second <laughs> time in this podcast it's something i've never thought of but there you go yeah See, and there's isn't these, it great these are the answers yeah and isn't it, we often talk we often talk about how goalies love to dial their gear in, and this isn't just about right. fit because everybody's going to want that integration with the gloves to be a little bit different, and now you can fine-tune that. It's not just to be acceptable. It's what's best for your individual performance. So I, I love when gear can do that. And you can dial it in. So I mean, yeah. It'd be like Ryan Miller when he had the his true skates quarter inch he had a quarter inch lift in one side because one leg was longer than the other so he had like a quarter inch lift on the heel of one of his true skates so that he would balance him out and make sure that sort of both legs were the same length i remember him telling me that and then this summer during the pause um as part of a fundraiser that that ryan took part in he auctioned off remember a bunch of his gear and every time i saw the true skates come up i'm like who the hell else is going to be able to wear those things That would be fascinating to watch. Is he the only goaltender you know that's ever done that? Uh, I know there are other goaltenders that have put heel lifts in their skates to try and get a forward pitch and try and make themselves taller. Then that's in years past. That's not anybody recently. Um, but Ryan's the only guy that's ever told me he's done it in terms of, you know, and True allows you to do that, right? There's a customization there where where they were able to sort of build that into the one-piece skate. So, um, yeah, he's, you know, there may be others because you, now that you mentioned the, the, the arm length thing, it makes perfect sense. But, uh, Ryan's the only one that sort of ever told me that he does it. Well, now I know that there's going to be uh, goaltenders out there that are going to be putting on their, uh, chesty and, uh, dialing in their arm length, uh, trying to see exactly whether or not you'd like your blocker arm shorter than your, than your glove hand while you use the sensorina, uh, because you can do that in your living room and really get it dialed in and train all at the same time, uh, Sensorina are presenting a sponsor of our feature interview, Woody. 
Yeah, and uh, since Arena, you can get for In Goal Magazine premium members, you can save a whack ton of cash from now through Monday, November 30th. Hutch, the sale, the Black Friday sale ends? Yeah, finishes Monday. And if you look around, there's uh, there's a lot of deals on Sense Arena with Black Friday. And we had the option to to offer something similar. And because we've had this close relationship with them now, uh, Kevin and I had a discussion with Bob and found a way to pass on a lot more to the uh, to our premium members. So uh, there's nowhere else that I know of you can do this. If you're a premium member, you get another $100 off those units compared to everybody else. So that's that's great value, and I mean, I would think everybody would want to be a premium member anyway, Kevin. But uh, but if you're just looking for that, then it's a great opportunity to uh, for some savings and some great goalie content for the year. And so that means that you're ending up paying like three fifty US for this brand new Oculus Two unit that comes with the Sense Arena. Uh, I think that's cheaper than you can get the unit just about anywhere else on Black Friday on its own. Yeah, it's $650 off the regular price of $1,000. It comes with their goalie-to-go package, which is the new Oculus 2 headset. It comes with um, both the, the the holders, so to speak, the paddles, I guess they are, uh, but also the attachments that allows you to attach them uh, to your blocker and glove, and it comes with a really nice carrying case. So it's a pretty good package, and like Hutch said, if you're an Ingle Premium member, uh, you can save uh, $650 off the regular price. You can get it for $350, cheaper than the Oculus would cost you to buy it on its own, and a bigger discount, frankly, than anybody else is offering. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm biased, of course, towards Ingo Premium. But even if, compared to some of the other offers that are out there, you can spend $50 Canadian on Ingo Premium and you're still going to save like an extra $60 and you get our content for a whole year and you get Sense Arena at 60 bucks less than anybody else is offering it for. So deals, deals, deals. And if you really don't want to become an Ingle Premium member, you're that stubborn, uh, you can use the code IGM50, I believe it is, Hutch, and you yeah. will still save uh, $550 off the price. You can get it for $450 instead of $350. So yeah, lots of good deals from Sense Arena. And we're looking forward to continuing this partnership with them. Uh, I would say that as much as we're talking Black Friday, the next thing up is Christmas, uh, and especially at a time when a lot of people can't get on the ice. Like to me, this is a really good Christmas gift for goaltenders. Yeah, and it took me about fourteen seconds to text the two of you when I when I saw the the promo. <laughs> going, what is this real? Wow, this is unbelievable. Well, and I think it speaks to the way word is getting out about how good this product is, and when you hear guys like Billy Ranford talking about it in the goalies. Because you weren't the only one that texted me about it, Darren. I got a text message from an NCAA goalie coach where his program is looking into it as well. As soon as he saw our email and with all the stuff he'd heard about it on the podcast, they're like, okay, now's the time to get in. So you weren't the only one texting us about it. It is a really good deal. um, And we've been doing our due diligence. It is a really good product. Yeah, I could tell that uh, other people were texting you because uh, Hutch was the first person that texted me back. It took you a while. So I know where I rate on the... uh on the hierarchy with, uh, with Woody. <laughs> Go ahead, Hutch. Well, just speaking of world juniors, as we were earlier, I actually, uh, spoke earlier today with Zach Fucali, who, um, was a world junior gold medalist for right. Canada. He is the record holder, uh, with a few other guys, including Carter Hart for most wins at the world junior level and a sense arena u- user as well. And it's, it's almost embarrassing because, now that Sense Arena is working with us, all these guys are coming out of the woodwork that are using it. They're not set up for us. One of them was, um, but but Zach wasn't. Again, a little bit of a surprise as we we finished off our conversation today. So 
more people enjoying it. And Zach's uh, recently signed with Washington. That relationship with goaltenders and the interest and the participation in the podcast and in goal mag is a really unique. And then another example is Con- Colin Dillia, uh, who joins us uh, today on our feature interview presented by Sense Arena. And uh, Woody, uh, I'll let you set this one up uh, because it's a long winding conversation that covers a life. It covers dedication. It covers unique training. Uh, it covers his interest and his passion for goaltending and his relationship with Ingol Mag, uh, because he does follow and listen to the podcast as well. There's a lot packed into this, uh, really comfortable discussion that you guys had. Yeah, I'd heard, you know, I hadn't had the chance to talk to Colin before this interview. I'd heard all kinds of good things from one of our writers, Kat Silverman, um, who's done some work for a lot of work for In Goal Magazine. She had nothing but great things to say about her past conversations. Uh, his goaltending coach in the minors uh, in the American Hockey League, um, Peter Aubrey. Uh, I've talked to him about Colin before, and they all kind of told me how good this conversation was going to be because he really is. is it's that passion. Remember, saw that we saw that passion from. Elvis Mers Lickens the week before. Yeah. And Colin has the same passion. He expresses it in a little, like it's a little more, I don't want to say deeper thinking because that, I don't want to be dismissive of, of Elvis's passion, but it's just, it comes across with a different vibe, right? It's a, he's a really, he's a, he's a thinker. Um, and, you know, he's passionate about the position and all the different things you can do to get better playing it. And we talked about, you know, we talked about school and, and engineering and life. I mean, he's got a, a young young son at home now and what it was like to go through that during the lockout or sorry, the not the lockout, the pause and, and then going back to the bubble. Just a lot of stuff going on in his world right now. And he's he's set to become the Chicago, you know, he's one of three guys competing for two spots with the Chicago Blackhawks. He's in a really good position to be on that team this year. And just a lot going on and and you know he he was open and honest and and sharing with all of it so it's uh yeah i'm excited to share this one with everyone it was a great conversation i enjoyed it and i think our listeners will too and one of the areas that really jumped out at me was uh, just having to push himself and come up with unique ways to train and be ready inside the bubble because there's so much focus on on the current roster that's playing and when you're a member of the taxi squad you kind of just have to uh, find unique and and different and challenging ways to make sure that you're ready. And he had to do that uh, on the fly in the bubble while dealing with uh, some life that was happening on the outside of that bubble. It's uh, a fun discussion. Colin Delia, in conversation with Kevin Woodley, our feature interview on In Goal Radio, the podcast presented by Sense Arena. Enjoy. Okay, I honestly Colin, I don't even know where to start in terms of like what being a new dad has been like, being in the bubble. There's obviously a lot of talk about next season for you. Your hobbies and interests outside of hockey are fascinating. You're an engineer in university. Like I feel like we could take this in so many different directions. But why don't you just start by catching us up right now? New dad, young son, um how are you how are you managing the time and how are you managing to balance that with getting ready for a season? Yeah, sure. First off, thanks for considering me for you know the podcast. I'm a huge fan. Um, but honestly, like just it's moment by moment right now, you know, with no like s- season start date, you know, really hammered down. Like it's just 
you know, all hands on deck at home trying to help out, you know, Ava and help out mom, you know, the best, best I can. But we, we had our son, uh, back on June 10th. Um, that was amazing. Absolutely incredible. There was a lot going on obviously in the world then, but you know, he's, he's really been a shining light for us and a welcome distraction, um, you know, and in a world that's just really, you know, pretty divisive right now. So we're, we're super thankful for that. Um, yeah. And then going to the bubble, that was, that was super hard to leave, leave the family. Um, especially when, you know, it was good, good to be a black ace and understand, you know, what playoff hockey is all about at the next level, but, you know, also very hard when, you know, you consider, you know, having a newborn at home. So, um, it just made that time with him prior, you know, and after so much more meaningful and, I've just been super fortunate to be able to spend an extended period of time with them. I mean, I, like, I don't think we'd ever get this amount of time. You know, I was talking to Ava the other day. I was like, I don't think we'll ever get this amount of time together, you know, again, like during this time of year, you know, so it's been pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously very fortunate to, you know, live here in Chicago and be training. You know, we have access to um, a gym at the rink where we practice our strength coach, Paul Goodman, he actually has a, a personal gym that he runs on the other side of um, Fifth Third Arena. So um, thankfully, we've been able to get in there and then we can get on the ice and skate. But um, really just kind of taking it easy. I mean, obviously pushing hard in the gym, but right now on the ice, it's kind of hard. So just really looking forward to having some sessions, some goalie sessions more specifically with goalie coach or, you know, just being around the guys, you know, in that locker room environment is really something that's pretty special. I mean, I think that's probably one of the biggest things that guys miss after they stop playing is that camaraderie and that, that closeness, that bond and joking around. And it's hard. I think when you don't have it right now, you know, especially around, around this time of year, it's kind of like that Pavlov's dog, you know, like it's, it's, uh, it's what November. And it's like, we're not playing right now. It seems so strange, you know, to have that like social interaction and, and whatnot, but, um, yeah, so that's, that's where we're at right now. We're just, um, you know, enjoying time with each other and, you know, raising the little one, making as much, uh, of his food as we can. That's something we're really passionate about is, um, just cooking specifically. I mean, I love to cook. That's also another one of my hobbies. And Ava, sometimes she gives me a hard time because she's like, we don't have to make everything from scratch every night. You know, we can have a frozen meal every now and then, but um, no, she, she loves to cook too. So it's all, all kidding aside. It's been good to, uh, you know, kind of get the household in order and get ready for next season. I think that's something that's really important too, is when you have our house in order, like everything else is, you know, everything else is gravy. You get to, you know, be at the rink a hundred percent knowing that, you know, she's good. The baby's good. Everybody has everything they need. So it's part of your foundation. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Were they you now, have there been lessons learned about the importance of that along the way in terms of how home life can affect on ice life and balancing the two, especially I would think this year, 
you know, with all the focus on the opportunity, um, even more important to have that sort of that foundation ready to go and sort of comfortable. Most definitely. Most definitely. I think that's a lesson that became ever present to me, even last season, you know, like, uh, when Ava got pregnant, it was like a, it was a shock to us, you know, and it kind of took me by surprise, but, um, you know, and it was kind of, I couldn't really think of anything else, but that, you know, it's kind of an all consuming thing. You know, there's, it's a pretty, you know, like it's, I mean, you're, you're a father as well, so you understand, but like, I think your firstborn is, it's, it's, I guess what I'm getting at is indescribable. There's really no words, right? Yeah. So yeah, I just, the prospect of, of being a father and then how life would change, you know, I think, I think I'm a pretty like compassionate, empathetic person, but just understanding the true selflessness that it takes to, you know, be a father, you know, and be a, be a good boyfriend and in, in the process, like that was something that was a huge development for me this past year. So that was a lot of growth off the ice that needed my attention. And, you know, unfortunately like the start of last season didn't go the way I wanted, but I think as a result, like I was able to respond really well, you know, to that adversity. And I think what it taught me was just, you know, if you take care of your home life and everything's set there, like, you can go to the rink every day with no hesitation and, you know, in a clear mind and go, go to work essentially. So, I mean, that's, that's just paramount. And I'm, I think I'm lucky actually to learn it, you know, at this age, you know, and I still have like a lot of like, I, I like to think I have a lot of, you know, neuroplasticity <laughs> still. I can form like good habits and still feel, I feel like I'm relatively young, I guess, maybe not in the hockey world, but, um, you know, I just have those good outlets and good channels and good lines of communication with Ava. And, you know, I'm just very fortunate to have gone through that. And I think now I have even more directive on, you know, what it is that I want. And, you know, I've always had the dream of being an NHL goaltender and then, to finally get to play at that level, you realize what it takes to get there. But I think the next step is realizing what it takes to stay there. And I think just coming full circle, that's what, you know, having, you know, a child and, you know, having to provide, like, that's what it's really given me is that, you know, it's given me, I want to say experience. It's more perspective, I guess. And and that's important. That's important when you're, you're, when you're, I mean, when you, when work comes with that much pressure, being able to sort of have those things in order and have that perspective, um, I'm guessing would be really important. How do you, from the outside, obviously, whether it's us in the media or other, you know, other media outlets, the focus is so much on the opportunity for next season. Is it hard because, is it harder because you don't even know when that starts? Like, and then the other part is like, do you do anything different? Because in the game, you can't force it, right? Like, like we don't get as goalies to dictate what's going to happen. We have to let it come to us. Now you have this opportunity sitting there. Can you try harder in the offseason? Do you push your boundaries or do you just stick with that foundation even more? I think for me personally, like, 
something that you said really kind of stands out and it kind of ties into what a goalie coach of mine used to say when I was growing up. His name is Reto Sursch. He's Swiss. I know I've, I have been on the ice with Reto in Kelowna. Wow. He's got his, his fantastic net pegs. I still want to get a set of those, the ones oh, with yeah. the drills. And he did some work in California. I did not know that you worked with him. The goaltending yeah. world is a small one. It is small. So he, we can get into him later, but <laughs> he, he's, he would always tell, you know, my goalie partner and I, when he was coaching us, youth hockey, he said, the puck, puck going to come to you anyway. You know, and that's like so profound, you know, in his Swiss German accent, you know, puck going to come to you anyway. Like my goalie partner and I always joke, like we should get that tattooed on us because it's like a life motto, you know, like you can't dictate, you know, the pace of play. You can't dictate so many things in the game. You know, you can't dictate what's going on in, in the world with the pandemic and everything. So I think you just go with what you know, you continue to do, you know, those foundational things. But for me, I think I'm the type of person that always likes to see an evolution in my game and also in my, you know, personality and my off ice, you know, habits. So like I've, I've started doing um, Pilates, something that I thought would be, you know, really good ad addition to um, my regimen. I was actually pushed to do Pilates more so by my girlfriend. Um, she knew I, I had always really been interested in Pilates and I thought there'd be a lot of benefit and crossover as a goaltender. And she's like, you know what? I'm just going to book you a class. So she booked me a class and she's like, okay, like you have a class, like you have a private lesson with the owner of this studio like next week. So you better be there. <laughs> so yeah. And then after the class, I was like, man, I fell in love with it. I just was like, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like if you've ever done yoga and I'm a huge proponent of yoga and you get into that, that like that flow state, you know, and you just like the time melts away. It feels like you've, you've been there for, you know, a couple seconds and it's like hour and a half is already gone. So, uh, I, yeah. So, I mean, I am doing those foundational, you know, things I'm in the gym five days a week, but you know, on the ice a couple of days a week, but just adding little things, you know, here and there that I think can make the difference in the long run and help me have a longer career. It's funny you mentioned Pilates because I think uh, I've always thought of it and I haven't done it myself, done the yoga, um, have been watched uh, at other camps, things like Eldoa, um, other, you know, sort of techniques that are designed to sort of, they seem to fit physically with goaltending, but it sounds to me like Pilates also has a there's a sort of mental aspect to it for you too, as well as, am I reading that right? Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, there's a lot of movements that require the use of some muscles that you've never called upon before. So it's a lot of like connection, you know, mind to body of like, okay, I need to move this like, you know, five inches upwards. Like, how am I going to do that? You know, and you have like your instructor, she's like, okay, like make sure you're not using like your quads here. You know, you're not using the big muscle groups. She's like, oh my God, how, how can I possibly do that? You know, so like you're using those intrinsic muscles, those little tiny muscles that are, you know, deep down inside that I mean, you might not call on, you know, all too frequently. So there is a lot of 
synergy. You know, that's what I always kind of like, she and I are always talking about that, that synergistic, you know, understanding of like, okay, tell body, brain thinks this, tells body to do this, you know? Nice. Uh, I got, I got a new one for you that we'll, we'll have an article out in the next couple of weeks. It's, and I'm starting to see and hear a few more anecdotes from goaltenders. I don't know if we'll get you there in the near future, but, uh, bar and ballet. Yeah. (laughs) Funny you mentioned that I was thinking, I was talking about that with Dave the other day. I was like, I honestly would see so much benefit to just doing like some type of class like that. Like I really think like as an athlete, like it's important to, you know, get outside of your comfort zone, you know, and that's essentially like with Pilates, like I was like, Oh man, like there's all this, these machines, these apparatuses, like I have no idea like how to use these. But the thing is, it's like open up your, you know, like broaden your horizons and be receptive and, you know, be able to be coachable in other, you know, spheres other than hockey like there's a lot of transfer there you know i think just from growing up and playing you know like a group sports like and and especially hockey like you just if you're coachable and you're approachable like that's something that'll transfer to other you know aspects of your life so that's something that i think about constantly it's like okay like i'm not a professional at this you know i'm talking to a professional like how can i gain what can I gain from them? Yeah, so physical literacy doesn't, we talk about a lot with the kids, keep playing other sports and encouraging them not to just be goalies at such a young age, but it sounds like it's something that continues, you know, even as a professional, like all these years into your pro career, physical literacy and expanding that still matters. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. I joked, I was like, if Anderson, my son, if, if he decides to become a goalie, I'm, I'm going to have him in Pilates, like, you know, as, as soon as he can, I'm going to have him in gymnastics, you know, just to make him a good athlete, you know, just that having that ability to be, you know, flexible and also like powerful. It's, it, I feel like that's something that contributes to a long career. Now on the ice, you talked about always expanding your horizons on the ice, obviously a tough time. Like how would your s- summer normally look like with this? Cause you don't know when the season's going to start, but would you normally be like, are there coaches you would normally work with? Uh, being in the bubble with Jimmy, um, was there an opportunity there to work on new things or are you just trying to maintain and stay ready? Like how is this, this strange eight months sort of played out? And have you looked for, you know, what is the next evolution on the ice? What's your focus? Right. So typically I'll take like, if the season, if the season had ended normally, I'll go with that scenario first. Like I would take probably like three to four weeks off you know, go see family, recharge. I'd probably still be doing yoga in the interim, just keeping flexibility, um, letting loose a little bit, you know, maybe just enjoying food in a little bit different way, you know, um, so to speak. But, um, no, I mean, we really, I mean, there's not a lot of inconsistency with how I live like in the off season and how I live in the season, but um, just enjoy life a little bit differently, I guess. Um, not as structured, more spontaneity. Um, and then typically my summers, I like to spend learning new things from different people, um, in, in the goalie world. So for instance, after my first year pro, 
I went to Switzerland to train with Reto, David Abisher, Martin Gerber. They have a camp there. So I was in Switzerland for about a month. Um, so I skated, you know, with those guys quite a bit. They have a pretty comprehensive camp. And then I was skate I skated a couple of times with SC Byrne and then also with um uh Roman Yossi. He he and I were working. I, he let me work out at his gym. He has a gym that he goes to there. So Reto, he he runs deep though. He's got connections all over. So he was able to hook me up. But um yeah, so that typical example. So I was in Switzerland for a month and just really like understanding the culture of goaltending there, the communication. Like I was a student in the camp and then I was also a coach and I didn't speak you know, Swiss German or German or anything. So it made me really understand, like, I want these kids to understand this. How do I communicate that to them non-verbally? So it made me really have to think about what I was going to say, you know, or how I was even going to like move, just move to show them what to do. Um, there were some kids that were nice enough to like interpret for me <laughs> and translate, but. Um, yeah, so that that was cool. Um, so then I would come back and I would spend some time with uh, Brian DeCord and stop at goaltending in Massachusetts where I went to school. Uh, so initially when I went to Merrimack, uh, the first summer I got there, my freshman year, um, they had stop at goaltending at Merrimack, like pretty comprehensive camp, you know, like probably, I want to say like eight weeks. 10 weeks of camp there, you know, I was on the ice coaching on the ice, you know, um, you know, as a student there as well, you know, so just getting a lot of different opinions, but there's constantly like an evolution, you know, in like my summers, there's never like a lot of, you know, necessarily like consistency, like I'm doing the same thing at the same time, like every single year. So I think that's maybe allowed me during this time, you know, more freedom and I'm not necessarily like freaking out like, Oh, I haven't like, you know, done this right now. I haven't checked this box, you know? So, I mean, that's great. Like I went back to see my mother a few weeks ago and I was able to get on the ice with Brian or I was able to get on the ice with stop at goaltending. You know, we had a couple of good guys. We had Mike Gertig, we had, um, Chris Drieger, Craig Pantano, Joey Decord, you know, a couple, just to name a few, or Mike Condon as well. So it was, it was a good group of guys, you know, so we got to just pick each other's brains and that's actually really nice too. Um, and then like years, years before that, I went up to, um, I think it was Vancouver to train with Mike Valley, Pasco Valena. Um, I think it was elite, elite goaltender. Yeah. yeah I've been yeah. to, I've been to those camps. That's right here in my backyard. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, and that was when I was in junior, you know, and I, the lessons that I learned there, I, you know, I still implement to this day, you know, there's a lot of, that was really kind of my first exposure to a goaltending world, like outside of California. So that, that was really cool. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's all over the board for me. You know, there's, there's never like, you know, one specific guy that I'm training with. I'm always trying to get, you know, new ideas, new things to put in my toolbox. And more recently, like this past year, 
I'll skate at the Blackhawks practice facility and uh, Peter Aubrey, the developmental goalie coach, um, he'll, he'll come out a couple days a week and we'll work on our game and he'll set up some drills and yeah, it's just, it's great to have, you know, like an, uh, another set of eyes for your game. You know, I could run myself into the ground, you know, with skates, but it's always more entertaining. I think when someone can give you, you know, some direction and some drills and can tell you how you're moving, but, um, and then, yeah, so and then coming into the bubble, um, yeah, it, it was, it was Lanks, myself, Subban and Crawford. So we had four goalies. Um, Lanks and I were more of the black aces. So we had a bit of a different schedule than the rest of the team. You know, we were expected more so to be the lifeline, you know, the, the support system, um, which is really challenging. I think that's something that uh, doesn't really get talked about a lot. I had a couple options to be interviewed you know during that time about what it was like to be a black ace but i just didn't really think it was the right time to have that publicity you know i think i really got the sense that okay it's about the ultimate goal here which is winning the stanley cup you know we have you know our team like we're as much as i wanted to be selfish and be like oh like this you know this is really challenging and like you know, I'd love to be practicing with the guys. Like it's about the guys on the ice that are playing every night. And it really allowed me to understand what it was like to be in a more of a supportive role, you know, especially being in Rockford and, you know, Lynx and I would split games and, you know, the year prior I would play more so, but it was great to learn and have that, you know, balance, you know, to see what it's like you know, to be a black ace, you know, and it wasn't, wasn't easy, you know, like you're working out pretty hard every, every single day, you know, you're, you're skating pretty hard and, you know, there's, there's a mental grind as well. You know, sometimes you get on the ice with, you know, the team and you wouldn't, you know, see any reps, you know, until the last like minute of practice, you know, and it's because you really get the sense that, Hey, like, it's about the guys that are on the ice that are, you know, going to win the game every night. So I didn't feel like the right time, you know, to tell, to give an expose about what it was like to be a black ace, you know? So, I mean, <laughs> it, it was fun though. Like we, we made it fun. Like we got to, there's ping pong table there. So it was, uh, Philip Kurashev, Nick Bodan, some of the guys that I played with in Rockford, some of the younger guys, we were just, you know, going crazy on the ping pong table. Like we bought like these pretty serious ping pong paddles, you know, they're like 50 bucks each. And we were just trying to <laughs> just have some fun, you know, and be competitive and, you know, outside the rink as well. I mean, you know, cause there really wasn't too much to do. You know, there was, there was, you know, maybe you could go to Tim, Tim Hortons and, and whatnot, but we watched a lot of hockey as well. And that was something that was really cool. And that was something that we didn't, I mean, that I haven't gotten to do in a long time. So it was really, really good to watch a lot of these goalies play too. That was something I really benefited from like during the bubble, you know, I watched as much hockey as I could. And I just realized like, I was like, wow, I have, 
I don't watch hockey like that much anymore. Like I watch my games and, you know, maybe like when we're doing pre-scout, but it was like, it's been a while since I sat down and like, I was a fan, so to speak. So that's something that was really cool too, that I haven't been able to feel in a while, but, um, and then to watch it, to be a fan from the perspective of like knowing, you know, a good amount about goaltending and, you know, being able to like be a little analytical about what was going on was, was pretty special. But, um, as far as like working on our game, in the bubble, it was the onus, I think in the way Jimmy's coaching style is, it's like the onus was more so on Kevin and I to, you know, come up with things that like we wanted to work on, you know, cause Jimmy was, you know, his prerogative was, you know, uh, Subs and, and Crow. So like he was taking care of them. And I mean, Kevin and I got to know each other a lot better during that time as well. And we were like, Hey, like, this is what we need. Like, these are the drills we want to do. Like, and there was an evolution, you know, to that, like initially we were like, like we were both like, well, we don't know how this works. This is our first time, you know, being a black ace. So, and especially in a different circumstance than normal. So we just got to understand, you know, how, how it was working. And he and I just kind of bonded together and we're like, Hey, like this is what we need, Jimmy. These are the drills that we want to do. And he was like, all right, here we go. So you had a little bit of time at least, at least sometime. It wasn't just, just get in there at the end of practice and then get on the bus five minutes later. You did get some development time while you were there at least. Yeah. Yeah. It was marginal. And I think it was more our responsibility, you know, especially with the restrictions, um, of personnel, you know, it's not like they could bring like all our develop developmental staff, which right. would be ideal, you know, and maybe that's how it works normally. But, you know, during this experience, it wasn't quite like that. So yeah, I think it really just made us more responsible for our games and realize like, okay, no one's going to hand this to you. You know, if you want to work on these things, like, especially right now, you got to speak up. So more, um, what more advocacy advocacy sorry uh, yeah no and you do i guess you do have to learn how to stand like manage your own game but also stand up for needing the time to to work on it what was there anything that what like when you stepped back and said what do i need to work on here's an opportunity make the most of it while i'm here what was there any element that you're like this we're doing this today or we need to do that the whole time i'm here or did it just kind of change as you were there like you said evolved yeah, I think it was constantly developing, but for me, I'm someone who always enjoys working on post-play integration and, you know, like exploding out, you know, it was something that we're, Kevin and I are always emphasizing. I mean, he's so good on his post as well. And it's fun, you know, for me, it's like personal challenge, like to get a good hit on the post. Like if I'm going to do an RVH or, you know, whatever the drill may be, you know, or even if I don't get a good hit, like something that he and I, like Kevin and I were talking about was like, you know, like if you're doing a controlled drill and you don't get like an ideal hit on the post, like you got to finish, you got to correct and finish it out. I think a lot of kids or, you know, a lot of, you know, guys have been on the ice with, it's like they stop and like try and do it perfectly every time. But it's like, no, because sometimes in the game stuff's going to happen and it's not going to go your way and you have to be able to, you know, adjust on the fly. So just kind of having that, like kit, trying to be in that frame of mind where we could deal with like a chaotic circumstance and still be level-headed. Cause I think that's one of the hardest things in practice. And then especially practice with limited amount of players 
where you're not seeing the type of volume. It's like you have to try and, you know, put yourself in that mindset. You know, so it was a lot of, you know, what what is this drill and how can I imagine a scenario where I'm playing in this manner? Yeah, I know. I remember one year Frederick Anderson like there that telling me that one of their focuses on practice was to get himself in imperfect situations because he had become too needed to hit that spot. Like you said, a good hit every time. So they actually worked on when it wasn't good, like let's put you in some weird spots and, and learn how to sort of recover and manage and, and do those types of things. I got to ask, what's a perfect hit for you? Skate on, toe box, you're not like too yeah. good with the shin. Uh, so for me, it's yeah, probably the toe box for sure. But I love the, the shin on the post as well. Like I think mainly cause it was something that that was like my first, introduction to like true post play like from the rva or just from a butterfly into the poster from rvh or whatever like i remember being at um you know mike valley and pasco valena's camp and i remember we did this drill where we we're just going like back and forth like you know knee shin whatever whatever it was just like on the post and i was like whoa that's a novel thing i've never thought of that before but then I realized like it was something that I kind of did naturally when I was playing juniors, I would kind of go into like a butterfly lean on the post. And I was like, Oh, this has a name, you know? And then I kind of like developed, I, I was never really a skate on guy. Um, but Reto, when I was training with him actually in youth hockey, we kind of emphasized like skate on, you know? And then after, the, after that, I just, you know, I, I had the skate on, I had the, the shit on, and then someone showed me like, oh, you can do the, the toe, toe box as well. I was like, oh, okay, this is like a natural progression, you know, but uh, I don't really like using the, the post protectors because I think that it affects like my, my integrate, like my feeling on the post. And I'm such a sensory person, like like when I'm on the post, like I'm RVH and I'm in my toe box and like my body is leaning against the post. I like to feel, you know, that connection. That's funny. So, we we posted uh, some, just some RVH edge work that Sergey Bobrovsky was doing from last season. We put on Instagram and he's skate on, but he's got the the post protectors, the uh, edge protect post, post protectors on. And a bunch of people yeah. commented that like, yeah, well, it's, I mean, you did, it's not steel on steel. It's like, it's not the same feeling as in a game when you're, you know, like how much easier this, not easier because it was really hard just to watch, but you know how much yeah. different it would be if it was steel on steel versus having that rubber edge. So that's interesting that you know, you f you notice that and feel that. For sure. Yeah. I think I watched that video too. And I had the same thought. I was like, well, I don't know <laughs> because, <laughs> well, then also like, you got to think too, I'm thinking from like the perspective of like, I'm so finicky, like with the edge on my skate, like there's no way I want to hit skate on post, you know? Like, Oh yeah, that drill, it'd be, your edges are done. Yeah. Then I'm going to be getting my skate sharp in every period, you know, new blades every period. But, um, yeah, the equipment managers don't like that. I don't like you like using the, the post guards, but I try to get a good hit every time so they don't have to worry about it. Uh, so toe box on post. So have you got like bungee set up on your, on your Brian's pads or do you go for laces with a few, few knots tied in there to create a little gap for that? 
Yeah, What's the so preference? I, uh, I'm more of the, yeah, I guess I'm a little bit antiquated with the laces. I, uh, I do, I don't do knots. I actually do like one knot at the toe bridge and then I put like two finger space and then tie another knot. And then, yeah, so it's probably like a couple, two inches of like slack, but yeah, the more and more I see those bungee cords, I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. Maybe I should give it a try. I just, I don't know. I'm pretty, I don't know. I'm not, I guess I'm not playing with my gear, but I guess I get comfortable with it. I'm like, I'm, why do I need to change? You know, I still use like a foam core stick too. I don't, I don't like the composite ones. You're going to have trouble finding those soon enough, my friend. They're getting tough. Yeah. Yeah. They had, it's funny you say that. They had to, uh, Warrior, um, Ron Sanko is the guy that I, I work with. And he was like, hey, so I know you like those foam core sticks, but we're going to get rid of them soon and they're not going to make them anymore. So you got like a warehouse somewhere where they're all stocked up? Yeah. So he's like, we'll make you like probably like 200, but like, once you once you go through those you're done so he's like it gives you like maybe like three four years to transition to the composite one so okay well say hey the one thing i'll say on the on the elastic it's funny because uh uh david hutchison or the other voice on this podcast his son is like you toe box on and he prefers the skate lace gap so shout out to maddie hutchison for the same when he tries the elastics if you're pushing off with the toe box, like with your sort of toe of your skate inside the post and that toe box seal there, and you go to push off with the with the bungee, the bungee gives, as opposed to your oh. gap that you've, that little two-inch gap you've built in is fixed, right? So there's some, right. s- some rigidity to it. So when you push off, you've got some stability there. With the bungee, if you were to push off of that, the bungee would give for a little bit before it started you in motion. So, oh, you, so there's a little lag. Yeah, you're, there might be a lag with a bungee that you don't get right now, and you you probably don't oh. want that lag. Yeah, no. Interesting, yeah. I honestly, never thought about it that way. You know, we're just... That's, that seems really popular for, like, especially, like, the younger crowd, as I'm seeing, like, more of, like, the youth, like, gear come about. Like, it seems almost that's, like, standard procedure, like, on a lot of pads now. It's it's definitely getting there. It's definitely getting there. Although uh, there are a few of us old folks that still like to have our laces. I used to have uh, toe buckles. <laughs> oh, now I that's used- that's old. I'm looking forward to Braden Holtby coming to town because he's still got the cutout in the toe of the pad. No buckles, oh, but yeah. he's still got the cutout. Yeah. So my first year juniors, I had the had coho pads. I can't remember the model. I want to say Revolution. honestly i don't know it was the ones um it was so jonas hiller was a big idol of mine growing up you know and i was california ducks yeah yeah i was like oh man i love this guy's style and like he was pretty goofy with the way he wore his gear you know like he was pretty out there right um but i wanted you know wanted those pads like i loved like training with reto like reto and jonas like have a really good relationship. I think they may have even played together in Switzerland. So um, that was probably a big reason why I wanted those pads, right? And I was like, all right, I'm going to wear the toe buckles. Like, I'm going to do everything, you know, like Jonas. And like, I got the toe buckles and I was went out for like a skate. And I was like, oh my God, how does he move in these? Like, I was like, I can't do this. I was like, there's no way I can do this. No absolute way. Oh, that's but, funny. 
Yeah. So the relationship with Bryant's um, had some really stylish gear. It means you got Chris Joswiak as a pro rep. That's always a positive. We love Jaws. Um, yeah. What, uh, like, you went to, when you were in university, you took it, you were engineering. Now, how much of a gear guy are you? Like, do you tinker? Or are you, for all the little things you talked about changing in your game and trying Pilates, are you tinkering with your gear? You got Jaws trying new features all the time? Or like you said, with yeah. the toe laces, are you tried and true? Stick with it. So I, I tinker to a certain point. You know, I think when I was younger, there was a lot of development with that. You know, even when I was playing youth hockey, like my goalie partner's name's Art Bry. Like he and I were always just messing around with our gear. And like I had Brian's at the time too. Um, and he had uh, Bauer pads and we were just like, you know, how could we like modify our pads? And we get this, the, I think it was called the speedy stitcher out. You know, and we we're always messing with that. And when I got to junior, I was like, okay, how can I, you know, mess around with my shoulder pads, make them a little bit bigger, maybe. Um, but uh, I always love like fixing my gear too. Like if anything went wrong, like I was the one that was going to be in charge of fixing it. Like I didn't want my equipment managers to do that, at least when I was in junior and um, uh, in college. But um, yeah, I think I kind of got my pads like pretty dialed to like where I want them right now. Um, I think the good thing with Brian's too, is like the way I have the strapping, I have the heritage pads, I believe. I don't even know what pads I have. That's so bad. But, um, there's kind of like an ability to do, you know, make them fit a little differently. Um, with the Velcro, that's just something that I, I never thought I would like, you know, I was like, Oh, I'm gonna have leather straps. Like, there's no way I'm going to do this Velcro stuff. Like, but you know, I tried it and I was like, Oh, I actually kind of like it, you know? So yeah, I mean, I kind of removed like the, the knee wrap on my pads, like pretty early on, I'd say like my first year of college, I was in CCM and I never wore like that, that knee wrap. I never put the, the strap from, you know, the knee channel to the knee wrap essentially, like how a lot of guys do. Oh, like the, like a thigh wrap kind of thing, like the thigh board style wrap. You mean or no, no? So like the like the elastic. Gear. Oh yeah, okay. yeah. So like the landing gear on your knee, and then yeah. you have the elastic that goes right. around to the outer. Yeah, I never, I could never get comfortable like in a butterfly with that. There was just too much torsion, and like, like my pads never rotated how I want them. So like, I remember even actually even prior to me wearing Brian's. Um, yeah, like I said, like even before CCM, like when I was in the cohos, like I just wore that loose. Like there was, there was not even like a strap, like an elastic strap. I just wore it. So my knee would rot, like my pad would rotate around my knee and I would land like in a pretty good butterfly. Um, everyone, <laughs> it's so funny. I, everyone's always talking about like oh like butterfly flare you know it looks looks so wide and i was skating uh like when i was back in Mass or massachusetts i was skating with uh michael gertig and he was like man like your butterfly is so wide and i'm like is it like i don't know and i'm thinking now maybe it's a consequence of the way i wear my pads you know like i have that really big open knee channel like i guess it's kind of similar to like what price does if i'm recalling I'm looking at pictures as we're talking here and trying to picture yeah. this in my head. Yeah. So I think Price doesn't have 
like he, huge... he keeps it pretty wide open and then he takes that elastic from the knee stack and wraps it down to the outside of the yeah. calf yeah so i had to start i had to start doing that because like eventually got to the point where like when my pads broke down and weren't stiff anymore like they would over rotate <laughs> so i had to yeah that was the evolution of that but yeah, I wear my, my bootstrap like pretty loose and people are like, well, why do you even need a bootstrap? And it's like, when I extend, you know, all the way, I can feel it. Like when I flex my foot, I can feel, you know, like the end range, like with my heel. And I'm like, I like to have that security, but I see some guys like they don't have a strap. I'm like, oh my gosh, I couldn't do that. Cause I feel like my foot would just shoot out, you know, and my knee wouldn't land like in the landing gear, like in the place that I wanted. So. So, yeah, so there's I mean, a, you're, you're playing with it. There's an evolution there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, and I've tried like that little uh, lung twist strap, like on the, I have the VH skates. So I've the played with that, you know, throwing the bootstrap there. I don't know if that's my thing though. It's, I don't like the way my blade angle hits. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's different. Like it's all, it's all a feel thing. Obviously it, it always comes down to that, but I feel that I don't have as much blade on the ice you know, if I'm in a butterfly and I need to push laterally, like I don't feel like I can get like the quick responsiveness that I can, like with a loose bootstrap around my skate. So all these, this passion on the ice gear, where did this all start? Like was gear one of the starting points? How did you fall in love with the position? Cause you clearly have a passion for it from every aspect. How did this start for you? Yeah, I think I could go back to like, like the catalyst, like when I was young, I remember, I remember going in, I started playing roller hockey. It was how I started playing hockey. My dad growing, took growing me, up in SoCal, right? Like Rancho yeah. Cucamonga. Have I said that correctly? Yeah, that's correct. It's a real place. Yeah, it, it exists. It's, uh, <laughs> it's actually, I think, uh, where workaholics, it takes place if you ever heard of that show but um so i remember just walking into the rink you know it was the wayne gretzky center on uh foothill in um upland and like i just remember like the pro shop it was just i remember the way everything sp smelled mainly and like everything looked so large and i just remember like seeing the goalie pads and i don't know why i gravitated towards that but just like the design must have been good marketing, right? It was just like, oh, those are cool, you know? And I remember telling like my parents, like, oh, like I want to be a goalie, you know? And I'm like, no, like there's no goalies like in this age group, you know? Cause like, like when I started playing like tykes or whatever it was called back then, like we just had the shooter tutors, right? So like, I remember when we got graduated, to, uh, it was might hockey. I was like, oh yes, like there's, I can be a goalie now, you know, but then it was like, oh, well, like goalie is like a revolving position on our team. Like, you know, I was like, oh really? But it got to the point where like, no one wanted to be goalie on my team. And the coach asked like, Hey, like you keep signing up to be goalie. Like, do you just <laughs> want to be the permanent goalie? And I was like, oh yeah. You know? So I didn't. I didn't have my own set of pads, right? And I remember we had like the team gear and that was, that was cool, obviously. But I remember going home and just like shooting on myself, you know, like 
you know, playing situations over in my head and like having on my mini net. And then I remember asking my dad, I was like, I was like, Oh, like, I wonder if I could make my own goalie pads. So like I had him like give me like some shoe boxes and I cut like semicircles in the top and bottom. Cause I was like, Oh, like I don't have straps, but like it opens in half, you know? So I could like cut a hole and then I could like, you know, they could go on my legs, you know, I could play hockey, like, <laughs> you know, very limited understanding, but I was like, Oh, this is kind of fun. You know, I could, you know, make my own pads. Right. And I think just like he saw, you know, I really loved it. You know, he really, he really identified. I was like, okay, like we got to get this kid some pads. So I remember that Christmas just opening up these pads and I was like, Oh my God, like that was, that was the best thing. That was the best Christmas gift I could have ever got. You oh, know? that's, that's hilarious. What do you remember what they were? Yeah, I believe they were Itex. Nice. They were like the the Cordura. They were the whole like the whole pad is Cordura, right? Like the I think that material is like what they do on like the um, like the side wall, like the outer edge of pads, right? Like that yeah, thin, yeah. Like lightweight material. Yeah, I just remember them being like that material, and I remember they had like these nylon buckle straps. They were like just pressure snaps too. They weren't like buckles or anything like they weren't even, I don't even think they were even like, um, plastic, like clicks, you know, but yeah, that was, yeah, that was awesome. And then it was just from there, I was hooked, you know, that's funny. You, you would not believe how many guys have stories involving gear at Christmas that sort of, you know, either it sparked the passion or it took it to another level, or it was like their first real mask or their first real set of pads. And it was like Christmas yeah. and goaltending, man, it goes hand in hand. Yeah. And I think for yeah, it, it, it does, you know, and like, that was like my main obsession, like anything I could save, you know, in, in money or, or whatever, it always went towards like a new set of pads or or whatever like that was my main prerogative growing up was just is if i could get new gear like you know i could get this stick <laughs> you know but there was a time where like my parents were divorced so it got like pretty hairy so i had two sets of gear <laughs> so i had but the thing was they were different brands <laughs> so i would have like and this is by the time i, I was playing ice hockey at this time I would have like graph skates with my dad and then I would have like CCM skates with my mom, you know? So it was hard for a bit, but uh, it was fun. So you grew up in California, played roller hockey, fell in love with the game, watching Jonas Hiller with the Ducks, I'm guessing. Um, you end up going to play the NHL, in, NAHL, sorry, in Amarillo. Like those are not the most conventional markets going from Rancho Cucamonga yeah. to Amarillo, Texas. Um, right. who, some of the influences early, like when did you have your first goalie coach where I'm guessing Rato was probably someone that you worked with in Cali too. Cause I know he had camps there. Is that where yeah. that started? Any yeah. other influences yeah. at that age going into these, these different markets and then ultimately onto college? Yeah. So one of my first goalie coaches was a gentleman by the name of Georgie Catalano. He still coaches in California. He's salt of the earth type of guy like he is very like he used to work for rick hines so he used to run the rick hines camps but 
he's very, I guess by today's standards, you know, he's pretty old school, but he's very much a life coach in that, that regard. He, you know, the kids who he trains, he, you know, he whips them into shape. You know, there's a lot of, you know, you have, like he has, he, he sent me the shirt that he had made and it says, yes, coach, because I don't know if there was like a challenge with some kids, like addressing him as coach, but like he would always appreciate being addressed as coach or like, yes, coach, no coach, you know? So like, that's kind of his motto is like, yes, coach. But he was just kind of the one that had gave me like my first taste of structure and it was him and a gentleman I guess actually before Georgie was a gentleman by the name of Mike Sherman. He, uh, you might remember him. He had a goalie company out of, I want to say Pennsylvania. And if it wasn't Pennsylvania, it was somewhere on the East coast, but he played for, uh, the long beach ice dogs, I believe. Um, so, and he, he actually worked, I think at one of the original roller rinks, but he used to have a shooter, like shooter or not a shooter. What was it called? Like a puck machine at this, uh, rink that I used to train growing up Yorba Linda ice center, I believe it was called. And I remember that's like when I transitioned from roller hockey to ice hockey, he was kind of the one that, you know, taught me more of like you know, like the technical, like butterfly stick, save blocker, save glove, save. And it was all on like one of those, um, puck machines, you know? And I just remember like when I was first doing those like private lessons, like it was all on synthetic ice. So it was not on real ice. So, I mean, I got my first taste like of like a goalie private, like on synthetic ice with like a puck shooting machine and like do so many stick saves and like it would get so like repetitive and so fast. I just remember like where I hold my stick on my hand, you know, between like your index finger finger and your thumb. I remember like one day, like after like looking down and just like, it was blue, like black and blue, just like so many pucks, you know, but I think maybe, yeah, exactly. I think I, I, I love that though. Like, I could be in there for like two, three hours. I was just, it was heaven, you know, especially as a kid, like you don't know any time my dad's like twiddling on his thumbs, like outside, you know, but, um, yeah, so it was Mike Sherman, Georgie Catalano. And then I'm trying to think who else, there was a gentleman named Steve Switzer. And then after Steve, it was Reto. And I think Reto is, pretty influential and I give him a lot of credit for, you know, helping me really understand the more, like, I guess the finer aspects of, of goaltending, you know, and even from like a philosophical standpoint, you know, like what I told you earlier, like puck's going to come to you anyways. Like the, the approach that he had to the game was really like palatable. And I was able to digest that like, you know, fairly quickly. And, you know, I, I saw a lot of improvement and I trained with him. I think it was my last, I think I was 16 turning 17. It was my last year that I played youth hockey. And I just remember after that, I just had so much momentum 
you know, heading into to junior hockey, like, I don't know, it just, my game took a, you know, huge leap and, you know, I, he owes, I deserve to give him a lot of credit for that. So, um, yeah. And then after Reto, I didn't have a goalie coach in junior hockey at all. I remember asking the coach my first year, I was like, Hey, like, is it possible like to get like a goalie coach, you know, in Amarillo, Texas, you know, like middle of nowhere. Right. And he's like, just stop, just stop the, the expletive puck, you know, like you got one job, just focus on stopping the puck. Don't worry about it. You know? So, and I was like, Oh, okay. Like I'm going to have to become my own goalie coach in a sense. So, you know, I remember like after we had practice in the morning, you know, like 10 AM, and then, you know, we had open ice the whole rest of the day. So we'd have practice, we'd grab lunch, go work out, and then we'd come back to the rink. And I would grab a couple of guys and we would like set up some drills, you know, and we'd do like, I'd have my own goalie sessions. You know, I was like the dictator out there telling these guys where to go, like how to shoot it, like stop the drug. Like, no, 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 that's not right. Like, you know, but yeah. So, I mean, those are my main main goalie coach influences growing up now how's it how's your game evolved and uh the past couple years like what's the what do you think's been the biggest step i mean you know talking to guys like peter aubrey they they talked about just how uh like like what a great skater you are um is that always been like is that something you worked on or it's come naturally those movement maybe it's all those hours on the synthetic ice real ice probably feels like (laughs) super easy um but how has it evolved over the past couple of years? Because, because like you said, it, you know, it's a position that's constantly evolving. We've seen the game yeah. in front of goalies at the pro level evolve so much east-west, which I would imagine suits, you know, you got to be a good skater. If you can't move, you can't play these days. Right. What's, is, it, is it more reads and tactics as opposed to technical? What's been the biggest steps over, the say, the past two years? Yeah, I think for, for me, like, skating is something that's, really enjoyable for me it's it it was always challenging and i remember growing up with my coach coach georgie we would do like shuffles and t pushes like around the entirety of the ice so like i think just by virtue of like that was normal for me i became really proficient at skating and i think i that's something i always rely on and i think for a while there i was getting in trouble, you know, and I was, because I was, I love, you know, like being able to like be mobile and move super athletic, you know, like my first year junior, like I really had to tone it down, you know, less, um, let me get it. Yeah. Less, less Jonathan quick, you know, more JS Shiger, like, you know, so that's, I think in the past, two years that's something i've really focused on and i think as a result that's helped my reads because i think that's one thing you consistently hear at the pro level it's like it's all about your reads it's all about your reads you know i mean there's there's guys like you look at a guy like robin leonard you know he's not necessarily known for his skating ability you know like a guy like like carrie price or whatever who we all like idolize for that but you know, like Robin's like really good at reading the play, you know? So I think I've 
moved more towards being like efficient, you know, and getting rid of all of this like excess, you know, movement and putting all of that energy back into, you know, watching the puck, you know, and, and reading like where the players are on the ice and recognizing and identifying who like the next most dangerous player is like without the puck. That's something that Peter Aubrey talks about a lot is just having that awareness of, you know, you, you got to know where everybody is on the ice. And like, it's almost, I guess you could compare it to like chess in a way, you know, like I play a lot of chess. So, um, chess isn't, you can't be so concerned always with trying to, you know, attack the opponent's king. Like you have to be strategic in the way that you do that. So it's like not always about the most dangerous piece in the moment, but you know, what's the next piece that could inflict, you know, the most damage. So with that in mind, like having that perspective, like on the ice, it's like, okay, this guy has a puck, but he's not in a dangerous like position to shoot the puck. Like I have to respect him, you know, I mean, you have to respect the guy with the puck always, but you know, who is he looking to pass to, you know, who is he looking to make the most advantageous play to? And that's where I think the evolution of my game has, you know, begun is obviously I love skating and I'm a great skater, but I have, I know that I have that ability. If I get into like a sticky, you know, situation, like I'm comfortable, you know, moving out of, an uncomfortable situation, you know, whether it be on my feet or on my knees, like I know I can get there. So it's playing more within myself and understanding that I have that explosive athletic ability, but just kind of being a little bit more patient, patience on my feet, you know, patience, reading the play, understanding where everyone is on the ice. And I think also, you know, using my, my experience more. I mean, I have three years of pro experience. Like it's not that much, but I can use those situations that I've seen. I have that muscle memory. I've formed, you know, those, those neuro channels in my brain to understand, you know, I've seen this situation before I can fast track that. Like it's a quicker response. Connecting the dots. Yeah, just trusting myself, you know, it's like, oh, I, I've been in this situation before, or like two on one, like what's the option? And it's like left-handed, right-handed, like, you know, or shoulders towards me, where his feet pointing, you know? Um, yeah, so I mean, just, I think goalies, like we're constantly like gathering information subconsciously, you know, and I think there's a lot of things that we do really well that we don't even think of right and it's almost like ignorance is bliss but it's on i think once you can unearth like oh well why am i doing that well you know then you can be more consistent in the end you know you can identify you know like what it is specifically technically about that like what were you thinking in that moment like i think one good thing there's a bunch of good things but um, one of that, one of the really amazing aspects about Peter Aubrey is that when we're doing, you know, like a video session, he's like, like, try and think back, like, what were you, what were you reading in that moment? Like, were you reading this guy's stick? Like, were you looking at this guy over here? You know, like 
he's very cerebral in the sense that the way he thinks the game is to understand it better and not just to play well. He like he he really wants to understand like the X's and O's and the ins and outs and especially as a goaltender, like I feel like sometimes we can back ourselves <laughs> or yeah, back ourselves in a corner and like not really care about like the technical aspects of hockey. You know, it's like just stop the puck, just stop the puck. But like once you understand the game more, you know, once you recognize trends and you have that association, like I think you're going to stop more pucks because, you know, you know the situation that's coming at you. You know, you know how this team plays on the power play. You know who they're looking to give it to. You know where that guy likes to shoot. Like it's just the evolution. It's using all the information and applying it. Like I, lo- I love the saying, um, there's no way to supplement experience with knowledge. You know, you can be like the smartest person in the world, you know, but once if you haven't gone through it, if you haven't gone through any adversity, I don't think that feedback loop is that meaningful. Once you have the experience, once you've been able to, you know, have that like tried and true method, like, I think that's it. And I think for me, like I had a lot of knowledge about the position, I have a lot of understanding and now it's using that with my coupled with my experiences to have like a new level of performance. So would it be fair to say just whether, because the experiences of the last year have been so wide ranging from right back to last summer, probably I think a lot of us expected you and Corey and then they signed Robin, you know, even just that adversity there, like fair to say the experiences of the last year have you more ready for the opportunity ahead than, than maybe you would have been a year, a year ago? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think I, I spoke recently in another interview um, about that. Just saying like, you know, after my first, you know, like shot, you know, when I played 16 games or whatever it was, like felt like pretty competent, you know, earning, you know, a contract out of that. I was like, all right, like now's, now it's time to take the next step, you know? Um, so it was kind of like, oh, well, that was weird. You know, that was a strange, you know, signing, but it gave me a greater understanding of how good you need to be and how consistent you need to be to stay there, you know, to stay in the NHL. It's <sighs> Once I played my first NHL game, there was kind of... I don't know. It's like, there's a lot of emotion that goes into that. Like there's a lot of oil, you know, there's a lot of sacrifice, like not on just on your part, on your parents, like on everyone who's helped you get to that point, you know, but it's like, after you've played that first NHL game, like you have to set new goals, you know, because it's like, everyone's like, Oh, I want to make it to the NHL. You know, I want to play in the NHL. But like after you play that first NHL game, it's like, all right, like you can't have a lull. Like you have to reestablish some like new goals. And it's like, what are those new goals going to be? 
Did you, uh, yeah. I'm curious, you talked about reading the game and moving less. Can you explain to me how they fit hand in hand? Like, I think I have an idea, but like, yeah. does it just allow you to, like, when we talk about moving less, it's just as simple as playing deeper or is it even more than that? Like, just allowing the information to come at you a little longer before you move? What? Yeah. So I think it's, it's processing speed, you know, how quickly, like, you are reading the information and adapting your body and your positioning as a result. Because, I mean, constantly, like, your body is making all these little tiny assumptions and recalculations based on, you know, you know, the information that you're gathering, you know, from the shooter, from the other guys on the ice, from your D-man, you know. So it's, I think it's how quickly you're processing that information. And I think that's something that, like, only comes with experience. But I think a lot of, like, great young goalies are seemingly really quick processors because they're such good skaters now, you know, and there's a lot of information available to the younger crowd now that wasn't previously like available to like kids from my generation, you know, like there's a lot of resources, Instagram, you know, like your guys's publication, like breaking these minute aspects of the game down. But like, I don't think that's like, it's a great head start, but it's no supplement like for experience. Like you have to get into games. You have to play games. Like that's one of the hardest things I think is, you know, game time. Like you can practice all you want, but you have to play games. And that's one thing for me. I think that my goals moving forward is just to play more games because I look at like my, my career and I feel like, man, I haven't played a lot of games, you know, like I need to get and see more situations and, you know, I, I just, I think that's one thing that's, that's like a goal for me. It's like to just continue to play more. Um, but yeah, and I think, I think just the processing overall, you know, of the information at hand and I, I play a little bit more deeper in my net just because I think that like, I want to beat pucks as much as I can on my feet and I don't want to get lost you know, and like, I'm constantly thinking of subconsciously thinking of like my box control, you know, like if the, if the shooter is entering, you know, like from the blue line and like he takes a shot, like there's, it's almost like a negligible difference. Like if I'm at like toes touching top of the crease or like heels touching the top of the crease, you know? So I think that like it gives me a little bit of an advantage too you know if i can have a little bit more time on my side to process everything i think it's moving less in the sense of like physically i'm moving maybe like six inches less you know so that's that's where i'm thinking about it from which gives you more time to make those reads yeah exactly and i think that's something i actually learned a lot about from Robin, you know, is he's a guy that's like, he's constantly like his depth is like changing, like minutely, or maybe even not at all. It's just, I mean, he's obviously a big guy. So like he's using his size to his advantage as well, but he knows like the angle, like if he's, for instance, like, you know, if he's facing, if he's on his left post, you know, and there it's a two on one, you know, 
like he knows what angle he has to come back, you know, to the post. Like if there's a pass across the ice, you know, to, to make the bet or to put him in a position to make the best possible save, you know, like he understands those angles. He understands the geometry. He understands the trajectory of the puck. He's yeah. He's an elite reader of the game, isn't he? Yeah. He did is you guys sure. like as much as you like your thinker too? Did you guys have gab sessions? Did you get to pick up anything from him, or is it just watching? Yeah, I did. I did. I, I mean, he's he's a unique individual. You know, he has a very interesting way of communicating. And I think initially, like when I didn't know him that well, I was like, okay, how do I how do I approach you know him? Because like he would talk like like what I thought was like talking at me, you know, it wasn't like a conversation for like two people, you know, but I think as I got to know him better, it was just, that's just the way he is. You know, he understands his game and he's like, yeah, like all you have to do is this. It's that simple. You know, it's like, yeah, Robin, but like, yeah, you're also, you know, you have a very special set of talents, you know, and not everybody can play like that. You know, so he, he once told me, <laughs> he once told me, he said, you need, he's like, you're so athletic, but he's like, you need to play more of like the old fat goalie, you know? <laughs> I was like, oh man. <laughs> so it's almost in a way, I guess, like in a roundabout way, I guess it's what I'm aiming to do, you know, anyways, is like play more within myself, like use my athleticism when I need it. So like I was able to discern like, what he was saying, you know, from the information he relayed, but you know, he, he's a funny guy, you know, it was fun to compete with him in the summer. Like as we got closer to training camp, like, and there was more guys coming in, like he was a funny voice to hear in the room. Like just because like, he doesn't care what anybody says, you know, like he's going to tell you what he thinks. Just open, so it's, it's open kinda, and honest, and and well, yeah. like and well thought too. Like he's is is it? I I've always enjoyed the conversations about the game with him. He's he's got a, a strong opinion on things, like reverse VH, for example, and yeah. and how many how much maybe kids are getting killed by it. Um, but also like just it, it's well thought out. Yeah, he is. I mean, and I don't think it's coming from a place of like malice. I think no, he, he's very virtuous in like what he's saying. You know, I think he he legitimately like wants the best, you know, for, for people and he wants what's good for the game. You know, it's, it's just happens to be a different way than a lot of people communicate. So just kind of rocks the boat a little, but I think that's great. Colin, uh, I just looked at the time, buddy, and this is, uh, we've taken up a ton of your time. I cannot believe, uh, and I haven't even done my famous last question, but uh, I wanted to say thanks. Um, this is uh, this we're going to set records for length of interview, um, but I've enjoyed okay. every minute because uh, I'm looking and I'm like, I it doesn't feel like we've been at it for over an hour, but we have, man. So yeah, um, I better let you go to to your son. Um, thank you so much for the time today. Um, yeah, really appreciate it. I know our li- our listeners are gonna are, are gonna enjoy it as well. Yeah, thanks for uh, considering me. It's it's been a blast and. It's really cool to, you know, be on here and, you know, I've listened to so many, you know, guests before, so it's awesome. Thank you very much. All right. There's 
stuff left on the table there, which is which is hard to say because you guys covered a lot of ground. That was that was a fun interview with uh, Colin Delia. Yeah, and uh, you know, like I think you described it perfectly. I kind of struggled to find the right words going into that interview, but as we were talking off air here, like there was just a Zen vibe to the whole thing. Like just such a yeah. Like you, you, you could, you could just sit there and talk for hours with this guy, right? Like he just, he just, you, you feel good listening to him share his story. And the only sad part was, is we went so long that I hadn't anticipated being that long. And I, did I even ask a last question? I didn't because I actually had to get out quickly because we had run into uh, one of my, I've got a couple weekly paid radio hits with TSN. And we'd run into them and I needed to answer the phone that was ringing because I'm getting paid to be on the air and I couldn't stand them up. And so I kind of had to end it abruptly. And I had, there was, uh, there were a few more questions. I did have last questions because I mean, we didn't get into like him and him and his partner, Ava, um, they own uh, a leather company just that that's near their home. It's nearby. He was telling me that's like a stu- the studio type place, the shop, um, it's 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 really close. It may be even the same building, but where they they can come and go from it. It's called Portier Leather Company. Uh, he 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 loves working with leather. Uh, he does no woodwork. Yeah, wood woodworking, leather making, all kinds of things. And you know, I, I wanted to ask him about those hobbies and the importance of those hobbies to find that balance that he seems so good at achieving. Um, you know, obviously we talked about you know being an engineer uh, in university to engineering degree. Like there's so much more, so many other places you could still go with Colin Dealey. I was going to say like, to me, you know, the, it's like the, the beer ad, the most interesting man in the world. Like I think Colin Dealey yeah. might be the most interesting goaltender in the world. Wow. A leather company. Uh, and, and then we got into the, you got a ballet and that he'd just been thinking about, uh, the bar ballet and. Like there's there's a lot going on. I don't know when he ever sleeps because there's so much going on in that uh, that brain. Oh well, he's got a newborn, so he probably just doesn't sleep like the right. rest of us did yeah. when they were little. You guys remember those days? We're all too old now to remember it, but it was like that, you know. Wow, uh, yeah, a fascinating conversation. And Hutch, uh, like the doors, the doors there for him to walk through uh, with the Chicago Blackhawks uh, and with the exit of Corey Crawford to to grab a spot. Absolutely. It's going to be a fascinating season in Chicago with a couple of young goaltenders, whoever they, they might end up being. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm a little behind here, guys, because I'm on the Portier Leather Company shop right now looking <laughs> at a couple of really cool wallets. <laughs> and not not this was not inserted for Colin, in fact. It, it actually came up offline with Woody, and then he mentioned it, and uh, and here I am. So I uh, might be doing a little Christmas shopping today, or it's almost Black Friday, but uh, I don't see any Black Friday sales there right now, boys wallet it uh, it has to come with a dollar bill in it uh, or else it's bad luck so you you just like the, the black friday sale with the sense arena it's it's like you mean you can't not benefit from it i we, we i think before you buy one though hutch especially well you said christmas so it might be shopping for others but if you're buying for yourself we need to send colin a message and ask him if he has the costanza model <laughs> I He's picture Hutch with I picture Hutch with like the three inch thick wallet. Like I'm I don't know why, but I'm just like I, I don't even have a wallet. I just carry a like a a money clip with cards in it. But I picture Hutch with a three inch wallet. I I actually have Hutch, the, I'll take no. You're you actually couldn't be further from the truth. You've got a money clip because you've got some money. I don't have the money clip, but I've got a couple of cards and a little folder. 
No, you're wrong. I right. have the Costanza. I do. I, oh, I, I deserve Costanza. There's a lot yeah. of reasons I'm Costanza. I'll, I'll own that one, but uh, not the yeah. wallet, brother. Yeah, Darren's, my, uh, Darren's my coworkers all make fun of me. And I, I embrace it because I'm the old guy in the office and I have to. That's exactly what you do. But uh, but nice nice that you guys are so modern. Yeah. We, hey, well, yes. We're, I just I don't actually, and Hutch made, made chirp about the money. I actually just put my cards in it, slide my cards in the clip. I kept losing my cards. I had to go to it. It was, it was, my family was getting tired of me looking for my cards and leaving all the cards in the previous pair of pants, jeans, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I just had to, to, Buckle down. So you get it. so you went you went to a wallet so big it could be spotted from space, and I can find it everywhere. Like in the golf bag, I know exactly. I just reach in. There's no searching around. It's just one big thing right there. But uh, I may have to check out uh, uh, the what's the what's the leather company and the website. It is Portier, Portier. Leather. P- Portier. Excuse me. P o r t i e r e leather dot com. It'll be uh, in the show notes. Throw that one in the show notes. Yep, absolutely. That's perfect. Uh, start the show with uh, taking care of your upper body, and we pad your back pocket uh, with the uh, leather wallets and Portier Leather Company. Uh, this has been a fun episode. Uh, Colin Delia and Ken Mattwiv, and remember, everybody, one more plug: uh, Sense Arena and the Black Friday sale and the hockey shop. Source for Sports, thehockeyshop.com, also with Black Friday sales. Uh, check them out. It's uh, a fascinating, fun time of the year that we can focus on goalie gear and save a little bit of a jing along the way. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. We'll chat with you next week for episode 96 of In Goal Radio, the podcast. <laughs>